Welcome to the Maternal Health Innovation Podcast, Season 3. I'm Kelly Shepard, Communications Director at the Maternal Health Learning and Innovation Center. This podcast is created by the Maternal Health Learning and Innovation Center, and episodes are released weekly, so be sure you are subscribed. On this podcast, we listen to maternal health innovators about ways we can implement change to improve maternal health in the U.S. In this episode, we're talking about apps and digital solutions that are making maternal health care more accessible to all, starting with May. May is an innovative app designed to support Black women during their pregnancy journey. With a unique blend of technology, community connection, and advocacy, May is on a mission to bridge the gap in maternal health care, ensuring that every woman has access to safe and empowered pregnancy experiences. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you coming. I'm Maya. Thank you so much for your time. Could you provide our listeners with an overview of May and its mission to support women of color during pregnancy and birth? And what inspired you to create this digital health platform? Absolutely. So Kelly, first, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this opportunity to share a little bit about May with you and also your community of listeners. Thank you for the time. May, by way of quick introduction, is a digital-first healthcare services business that focuses on reducing maternal health disparities for women of color. We have a specific focus on reducing Black maternal health inequities, right? As we know, we are dealing with very pervasive challenges around maternal mortality, but not only maternal mortality, also maternal morbidity, right? So not the death, but the near-death experiences. We as a community have higher rates of C-sections, whether or not those C-sections are medically necessary. We have higher rates of preterm births, sometimes with lifelong health consequences for our children. It is really critically important that we start to get ahead of some of these disparities and importantly, give more Black women access to some of the well-established clinical and community-based interventions that we know and we've known for decades and we've known for generations work. So May, again, is a digital-first services business that is really intended to bring many of these best-in-class interventions and supports to more Black women. We're doing that in a few different ways. First, through our digital experience, we are uh, driving forward digital education, specifically with a lens towards some of the unique life experiences, some of the unique barriers or biases in care that Black women are contending with. Through our digital experience, we are identifying those risk factors, but also working very closely with healthcare payers, with insurance companies to not only identify the risks, but follow through on addressing those risk factors for the mothers we serve, right? Whether that means we are helping mothers with social determinants-oriented community-based resources to help them more meaningfully engage in their own care, right? That could be transportation to the OB. That could be helping to drive forward nutritional assistance for some of our mothers who may be food insecure. It's education. It's all of these sorts of things. So that's what we're doing on the digital experience. But I think it's really important to note that You know, I think it would be a little bit naive for us to think that a digital support in and of itself would be enough to drive down the disparities that we're hoping to address, right? It is simply naive to think that uh, understanding what we do about systemic barriers in care, understanding what we know about bias in care, that we could simply say to Black women, here's a digital solution for you to use and the rest is your responsibility, right? We know that we also need to 
bring advocacy and bring support and bring championship and all of these things to the Black mothers we serve. So in addition to our digital experience, we are also working towards activating networks of community-based doulas of color to serve the mothers that we, we work with. What that means for us is working with those community-based partners to put them on a path towards insurance participation and reimbursement, right? So where we are contracting with health insurance plans, this is our opportunity to say, hey, we want to bring more community-based doulas into the fold. We want to support them with some of the administrative complexities that exist within the health insurance space. And we want to really increase access, right? Access and supply to community-based birth workers of color, where we know that support from these individuals can have a very meaningful and positive impact on both experience and outcomes for Black mothers. You asked a second part of the question, which was what inspired me to create May. This is interesting. I don't think I have a typical founder's background, right, in that I worked in healthcare for a very long time before I became a founder. So I have close to 20 years of experience in healthcare on the business side, I founded May at 40, right? And so so I think I, I, I brought a lot of experience into this new venture and specifically understanding a lot around how to navigate B2B healthcare contracting and how to partner with insurance companies and other healthcare stakeholders and payers. But what inspired me, Kelly, I think was in part, some of my own experiences, right? And in part, just the experiences of many of my loved ones. So I have three young daughters. One thing in very simple terms is that I want this to improve before they are at this life stage, right? But I can also say for myself, I was someone who entered into my first and second and third pregnancies with a high degree of health literacy, right? Again, I have been working in healthcare for a long time. I had great health insurance, right? I worked at Pfizer when I had all three of my babies. I had financial resources to access the things that I needed in pregnancy. And I think despite all of that, you know, I still experienced, right, some of the very pervasive bias in care and marginalization in care that Black women do typically experience, right? And that was hard for me to explain away. Fast forward to the summer of 2020, you know, we were all feeling a particular way that summer. And I, I was having a lot of conversations at home, I think, both with my family with my friends, with all my loved ones around what is the more meaningful role we can play, right? To focus our efforts, our resources, our knowledge, uh, whatever it is we can bring to bear to focus those towards this community that we deeply care about, right? And are a part of. And so I, I started thinking about May in concept that summer and, and really wanting to transition my career towards more of a social impact focus. So started thinking about May, had no idea, no idea how to be an entrepreneur, how to start a business, how to run a business. Uh, so I ended up joining a new business incubator at that point just to think about whether there was a there there. And importantly, Kelly, to think about whether there was a unique contribution I could make, right? Because none of this, again, is new, right? But there's, I think, a role for many of us to play to help us understand how to access the resources, the dollars, the supports that we need to get more Black women the care that we we deserve. Wow. That inspires me a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to let you know that. So earlier in, in your spiel about May, uh, you touched on disparities mm -hmm. in Black maternal health. So could you delve into the specific challenges that Black women face during pregnancy and childbirth and how May aims to address these issues? 
Yeah. So these disparities, I think, are very familiar to most of us. They've been very heavily mm-hmm. in the news over the last couple of years, right? So three to four X more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes, 36% rate nationally of C-sections, 15% rate nationally of preterm births, the list goes on and on. Really across every measure, Black women and our children are suffering, right? And so when we think about some of these disparities and how we can work towards addressing them. What I'll say, Kelly, is that I think the most significant challenge we are all facing as Black women is really just not being listened to, right? And so Mm. there have been a number of studies published over the past several years around Black women reporting pain, Black women reporting symptoms, Black women reporting complications, or simply just not feeling ourselves, right? We know ourselves, we know our bodies, we know when something is wrong. And very pervasively, what happens is that care providers are not responding to us in a timely fashion, and care providers are not responding to us adequately, right? And so things that have a clear path or line of treatment, if we're addressing them late, if we're addressing them not at all, they're spiraling into avoidable healthcare complications, right? And so I think there are a lot of complexities, right? When we think about the drivers of maternal health inequities, right? There are challenges around healthcare access. There are challenges around, you know, I, I, I think everything is tied to this access issue, even if we think about higher rates of chronic conditions, things like diabetes, hypertension that Black women are entering into pregnancy with. All of this really comes back to the fact that we have generationally had barriers to care, right? But when it's all said and done, while we can try to address those barriers to access, and I think there's a lot of work being done to address those barriers, we have to start being listened to, right? And the thing that I would say here that's really important for us to remember as Black women is that we are all valuable. We mean something to ourselves. We mean something to our families. And so the thing that I I always reiterate, right, when we're talking to our community of users is to always just remember that we have choice, right? If you are in a situation, you're seeing a provider, you don't feel that your provider's listening to you, you don't feel that your provider's taking time to answer your questions, address your concerns, please, please, please always remember that we have choice to make a change. And I know it's always hard to do that, particularly when we're in such a vulnerable moment, right, as, as pregnancy is for, for many of us. But always remember that if you're not getting the respect, you're not getting the time, you're not getting the trusted guidance you need, we have to take responsibility to make sure we find that elsewhere, right, and, and find someone who we can really trust as a partner in our care. I think it's so important to say, too, that this is not about bashing OBs, right, because I think OBs play an extraordinary role. They are so absolutely critical when we think about our care, right? Particularly in maternity. Uh, And there are so many good OBs, right? But we also do know what we know about bias in care. And we have to make sure that if we're not with that best OB, that there's a path for us to, to make a change and to find that best OB. Platforms like this, I wish were around when I was having my, my first daughter, I didn't know much about anything. And if I had realized just switch to a, you know, a different provider, I think I would have done it. I had a, my first experience delivering was not great. So, yeah. So I'm just saying that to say, like, you're filling in, you know, that gap. I really believe that. Okay. So May focuses on connecting pregnant individuals with local community-based doulas. 
Could you elaborate on the significance of in-person doula support and why it's a key aspect of your platform? Absolutely. Again, I think this goes back a little bit to what I was saying around digital not being enough, right? It certainly goes a long way for us to work towards symptom education, tactics for self-advocacy, all of these sorts of things. But when it's all said and done, right, what we want to drive towards is making sure that mothers have a trusted advocacy relationship from the beginning of the process through the end. And right, I think we know that process never actually ends, right? But what we ideally want is someone who mom can call, someone who they can trust, someone who they can take their questions to, but also someone who can who can really serve mom as an advocate in the room when and if that's necessary. And also just someone who can be there for mom to provide comfort measures and to help us really honor the experience that we're hoping to have, right? And so, you know, I think we we know as Black women, the role historically that community-based uh, maternal health supports have had, right? Whether that be relationships we've had in our own families, whether it's thinking historically about the role of midwifery in the care of Black women, whether it's thinking about the important role that doulas have continued to play over the past many decades. We know how meaningful this can be, but we want to make sure that that trusted support is in place end to end. We want to make sure that, you know, when moms are in the labor and delivery room, that they are consenting to interventions, that they fully understand them, that someone is in the room willing to take that time and explain them and make sure that mom is consenting to them. We want to make sure that if mom needs a voice, to nudge their core care team, for example, needing a few more minutes before they're pushed into a C-section, if that C-section is not absolutely necessary, that mom has that voice in the room. And we also want to make sure in the postpartum period that moms are going to have a very knowledgeable resource for thinking about early baby care, sleep safety, breastfeeding preparedness, you know, all of these sorts of things in the home, right? And so you can envision then from what I've just described, I think some of the contributions in the labor and delivery room and some of the contributions in the home after mom returns home with baby, some of these things just aren't easy to do over Zoom, right? And I can say that many, many doulas and in some of the doulas we work with during COVID, during the pandemic, needed to pivot towards a more virtual model of support. And some of them even were able to do that for labor and delivery. But when it's all said and done, you know, I think sometimes we need a hand to hold. Sometimes we need, you know, a little rub on the back. We need comfort measures. And that is more meaningfully delivered in person, right? And I think what's been really interesting for me is that we do a lot of work to understand the clinical impact of, of some of the interventions and supports we're bringing forward and to look across our community of users to understand what's working and what's not, right? And so when we look at our data, we look at our data in a very detailed way, right? So we look at individuals who may have engaged with doulas virtually for, versus in person. We look at individuals who may have interacted with doulas in the prenatal period, but for one reason or another not had that doula during labor and delivery. We look at the moms who have had their doula during during labor and delivery in the room. We look at the moms who have been engaging meaningfully with their doula postpartum. And we can actually see, at least in our early data, some of the differences in outcomes. And what I will say is that I think the doula relationship is additive no matter what, right? Even if delivered under more of a virtual format, but where we see the most meaningful impact in clinical outcomes, right, and specifically being able to reduce 
the the number of non-medically necessary C-sections, we do see that most meaningful impact when the doulas are in the room, right? And I think we there's a lot of anecdotal feedback from our community of users too to suggest that the role that they play is more impactful in that format, right? Where moms are saying, I was being rushed into this decision and we just asked for a few more minutes and we just labored and, you know, breathed patiently and we did some affirmations and then that baby started to emerge, right? And so I, I think even those anecdotes for us are, they're really special. We are at an early stage of our business, right? And so when we talk about some of these learnings and some of this data, we're not at a point where any of this is statistically significant. I'm conscious of the fact that I am on the phone with an academic, right? But I think that they are the right signals. They're they're validating some of the hypotheses we had going in. And again, I'm someone who's worked in digital health for a very long time. I consider myself to be a digital health evangelist. I really believe in what digital health can do to bridge access. But let's let's lean in the direction of of what is going to be most clinically impactful and what's going to help us achieve our collective mission in this space, right? So anywhere we can have doulas in the room, championing for mom, holding holding mom's hand, really being a part of that collaborative care team. Anywhere we can do it, let's try because we can see a difference when that happens. Amen. I agree. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to shift gears a little bit into insurance. So your partnership model with insurance company is intriguing. Could you explain how May collaborates exclusively with insurance plans to offer support to its members, particularly with a focus on Medicaid and doula services? Yeah, this is a really important part of the conversation, right? And it's something that, you know, we as a community, there's always this balance of do we, you know, do we work within community or do we work across business, right? Do we work across uh, some of the larger healthcare payers? We know there are a lot of barriers there, right? It's not the easiest to navigate. It may be faster to work on a smaller scale in community, but I think it's so important. And and I, I would contextualize this, Kelly, by saying that I, you know, I come from corporate America, right? And so I spent the better part of 20 years in boardrooms, having meetings, thinking about the flow of dollars. And those dollars are large, right? And so while we have always rooted ourselves in community models of care, there's a lot of money flowing. And I want to see more of that money flow to Black women and our needs, right? And so we should be working from every angle, right? And again, I would go back to thinking about what are the unique contributions we can all make in this space. We need to be hitting it from every direction. We need the involvement of many one of the things that I felt was a unique contribution that May could make was engaging with large healthcare payers and working towards influencing that flow of dollars so that more of those dollars go to Black women. When we think about our specific partnership model with insurance companies, yes, we did start with Medicaid, and that was a strategic, conscious decision on our part. And it had a lot to do with just where Black births are funded, right? And so we are not a monolith. I think there's a lot of diversity within the community of Black women. But we also know that Medicaid is funding nearly half of births in the U.S. each year and upwards of 65% of Black births in the U.S. each year, right? So really in, in founding this business and wanting to approach this business through a lens of equity and access, we could not ignore that primary payer of Black births, right? And Medicaid is 
messy. Medicaid is state-specific, it's complex, it's administratively difficult to navigate. But for us, if we said we want to have a pathway to getting to the majority of Black mothers, we could not leave Medicaid out, right? And so Medicaid has been our primary focus in this first year and a half on the market. Um, We have contracted with 10 Medicaid plans. We're in progress of contracting towards our next four. So we've made a lot of progress in that regard. So the first part of your question, Kelly, around how we partner with insurance companies, we support their diverse membership with improved and enhanced birth experiences and supplemental care, right? And so we are working towards helping more of those insurance plan members access doulas. We recruit and activate those doula networks by zip code. So they are proximate to moms and the care facilities in which those moms are delivering. We also have the insurance partner working very closely with us around some of those risk flags that we're identifying through our digital experience. So again, if mom tells us that she's having a challenge with her provider, if mom tells us she's food insecure, if mom tells us she needs help accessing diapers or anything else for baby once they arrive, we're working very closely with the care management entities of our plan partners to help moms access all of those holistic benefits and to get them to moms with a little bit more ease. We have care coordinators, program managers on our team supporting each of those deployments. We're meeting weekly with our plan partners. We are reviewing each of those care flags, any of those community-based needs moms may have. We're working collaboratively to help address those needs. And then obviously we are also working towards getting mom access to those community-based tools without pay on mom's behalf. Could you please share a significant birth story or experience that has been a milestone for May, underlining the impact your platform has had on an individual's pregnancy journey? Yeah, there are so many of these, Kelly. You know, there are so many stories that I think have brought my team to tears, if I'm being honest. Oh. But I can I can share with you that when we went live with our first plan, our first Medicaid plan partner, actually in August of last year, we were just so hopeful, right? We were just, we were just, you know, putting all of the good energy and hope into the world that we would be able to deliver what we believed we could, right? Um, You know, one of the things is that there's a very harmful narrative, I would say, when we think about innovation in Black maternal health, where in some cases we would hear plan partners say, you know, this is simply just not a demographic that's going to engage in their own care, right? And so we as a team, we were like, this is something we have to disprove, right? We are a team of Black women. We care about ourselves. We care about our babies. We're not entertaining that narrative, right? Because it is so incredibly harmful when that's a perception that's held by individuals who are then controlling that flow of dollars, right? And so for my team, we said, We've got to disprove it. We've got to do what we need to do. We have to do all the things that don't scale. We've got to get it right for these mothers. And one exciting thing for our team was that our very first May-supported birth with our very first plan partner last summer was a Black woman, again, covered under Medicaid insurance, pregnant with twins. We helped her with risk-based tracking. We helped her with coordination of services and benefits. We helped her to have a doula present at her birth. Again, this was a twin's birth. Twins were both born healthy. Twins were both born vaginally, which is something that is very uncommon for twins' births, right? And when we shared that back with the plan, excuse my language, they said, holy crap, how? (laughs) Right. And for my team, you know, I think that this was representative of what we could do. Again, it was our very first birth. Right. And it was so illustrative, I think, of what can be delivered if we wrap mothers 
with the totality of the services and supports that they need to thrive, right? We can deliver twins, babies vaginally without complications, leaving there with no NICU stays, leaving there with mom happy, feeling honored and having her preferences respected. And that is one experience, Kelly, I have to say, when we were, you know, sharing that with our internal team on Slack and on the phone, everyone was in tears, right? Because we said, this shows us that if we work hard and we work again to bring these interventions that we know work, right? We're just bringing them together and we're making sure mom can access them and we're making sure that mom doesn't have financial barriers to access them and then whatever other barriers may exist. This is what can happen, right? And I think that was a really motivating experience and user outcome for for our team to see very, very early on and, and one that I think has really stayed top of our minds and and continued to to really funnel our our passion for this work. Maya, my cheeks hurt smiling so hard. I love that story. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And and you're right. It's not heard of to deliver multiples vaginally. No, we were shocked. We were shocked too. (laughs) That's amazing to me. I find your commitment to birth workers and Black women giving birth commendable. And I'm going to ask my last question. Okay. Okay, so closing out here, could you share a message with our listeners, whether they are expectant mothers, healthcare professionals, or individuals interested in maternal health equity? Could you share like a message for them? And and also, you know, tell us how we can find you. Yeah, yeah. For expectant mothers who are listening, I would just reiterate what I said before, Kelly, just Constantly reaffirm your value to yourself. Constantly reaffirm for yourself the choice we have in this experience and the ability that we have to set the direction of this experience and find the providers who are acknowledging the value that we know we have, right? For our listeners who are not birthing people, the thing that I would say here is that, you know, we have to all be reminded of the downstream impacts of these disparities, right? Because we're not only talking about baby, we're not only talking about mom, right? When we lose a mother or when a mother comes out of this experience debilitated, we are breaking down families. We are limiting that individual's ability to return to a productive life, right? And to be an active contributor in her community and society, right? And so we're impacting families. We're impacting communities. We have to make sure that we're all playing a role in healthy communities and that we're all playing a role in the ability of our young people in this country to have a path to prosperity, right? Health and happiness. We do not all have that right now, in part because of these disparities, right? And so I would just encourage everyone who's listening, number one, to be reminded of that, but number two, to think about the role that we can each play. And it can be a small role or it can be a big one. Sometimes that small role is just uplifting voices, right? And and keeping top of mind the fact that we have this deep problem around health inequities in our country. And that, again, those problems are not limited to the individuals that they impact, right? But there's a broader societal impact that we all have to keep thinking about. And so let's all think about the small or large role we can play and let's continue to elevate voices doing the work. And I say that not just in the hopes that you'll elevate me, but in the hopes that you will 
elevate the dozens of organizations and individual BIPOC leaders in the country who are really working to advancing change. And if that's not May, that is completely fine because I I, I believe that all of us uh, should be acknowledged and, and elevated because there's some incredible work that's being done out there. In terms of where to find us, our website is www.meetmay.com. Uh, if there are birthing people in your life that you can send our way, we would be grateful for that. There's a lot that we offer on our digital experience and virtual programming that we offer that is completely free. And we hope that we can um, extend that to more people. On IG, we are at May Health Inc. Please follow us. You can you can learn there a little bit more about the work we're doing and what states and regions we are currently supporting with insurance partners. And Kelly, thank you so much for this opportunity to share. It's really been an honor. Thank you. It's an honor to have you as well. And it sounds like, and I think I can safely say this, maternal health is a team sport. Oh, yes. No, there's no, this problem is so big. There's no one person or organization who can solve it. And I can tell you that I hate so much when, you know, folks ask me, what about your competition? You know, what, what about health and her hue? What about these organizations? These are beautiful organizations. They are doing absolutely critical work and they are my friends. They're my collaborators. They're not my competitors. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you, Maya. This project is supported by the Health Resources and Service Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, under grant number U7CMC33636, State Maternal Health Innovation Support and Implementation Program Cooperative Agreement. This information or content and conclusions are those of the author and should not be construed as the official position or policy nor should any endorsements be inferred by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.